because of the fact that I grew up in hotels, I recognize the power and really the flexibility of corporate events. And mm. so you know, just how you're talking about hours and coming back at like two in the morning. Of course, I've done that. I've done my fair share of clubs and bars. Um, but I realized that corporate events are also nice to go into. And a lot of them don't. They underestimate the power of music and having a DJ there. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. Well, today we are going to do something a little different. Instead of interviewing an accomplished mentor, coach, author, or guru of business, I'm going to take some time to get to know a hardworking entrepreneur that exemplifies what it means to be a small business owner in America today. His name is Amani Robert and is a Washington, D.C. born and bred creative, a graduate of Howard University, who has been a DJ since 2008. Amani currently lives in Los Angeles and is a chief music curator for his entertainment and production company, The Amani Experience. He is also a partnered streamer on Twitch and produces four different live streaming shows weekly. Amani is also a professor at Cal State University Fullerton, teaches a variety of classes in the School of Business and Economics, as well as the executive director of the Center for Entertainment and Hospitality Management. Amani graduated from Berklee College of Music in Boston with a master's in music business and was named one of Meeting Professional International's 50 up and coming event professionals. To top it all off, Amani's also the author of DJ's Mean Business, one night behind the turntables can spin your company's success. Let's see what makes a superstar of an entrepreneur like this tick. Amani, welcome to the You Are Buzzworthy podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. No, thanks for taking the time. I know it's, you know, it's during the day. And I know that sometimes my DJ friends, they act like vampires. They're like, do you know what time I get off? I was like, yes, yeah. I did live sound. Uh, I moonlighted as a sound man. Uh, before I opened my original recording studio when I was in the Air Force. So I would fly all day, get down on the ground about six o'clock, tear off my flight suit, put on a pair of jeans, and then head to the, the local club that, that I did live music for, or live sound for, and get off at about two o'clock. So I had usually, those were my 24-hour days. So I, I got a little bit of it. But you look like you're, you're nice and bright and chipper. I'm loving the bright sweatshirt <laughs> there. I think we've got the, the bright shirt posse going yeah. on here. I liking that. So right, tell right. my audience a little, I, I gave you know your wonderful bio there. You were a man of many talents, which I love, um, and, I, and I can appreciate that. Um, there's a the saying that jack of all trades with a master of none, but if the rest of it is that it's best, yes. better than being a, yeah, uh, I can't, now I can't even say Yes, you're, you're right though. I love that. I love that you mentioned the last part of it. I don't mean to cut you off, but the last part's important for people to know. What is it? Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. I'm going to look it up because I, I remember. So hold on. We'll just look here. Okay. So while so, you're looking that up, I love the fact that I think that people who venture and challenge themselves in multiple ways throughout their life find more success, personal success, internal success than those who get on a track and then that's all they do. They get really good at one thing and it's like, that's great. Now what? Well, this exactly. is it. This is what I got. I'm like, oh, that's too yeah. bad. I feel, I actually feel a little sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. William so, Shakespeare, uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. There you go. There it is. So, so okay. So tell us a little. So you you own an event company, correct? 
Correct. So tell me, give us the 30 second spiel on your company. So I own an event company, um, primarily we DJ events all over the world. Um, now, in addition to that, we also do some virtual producing for like virtual events and live streaming. That's what we do. And then I'm a professor, an author. Um, that kind of summarizes pretty well. And music producer also. Yeah, so that kind of summarizes yes. yes. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that. Both of us have a background in, in producing. Uh, so that's awesome. So what got you into the the event business like what what drove you to starting that and how long ago i grew up in hotels ever since i was maybe 17 or 18 years old so i've always been around events um then i went off to school and that's when i discovered i wanted to be a dj but didn't have the courage to pursue it so i continued to work in hotels marriott hotels for almost 20 years then i retired from marriott and pursued djing full-time and because of the fact that I grew up in hotels, I recognized the power and really the flexibility of corporate events. And mm. so you know, just how you're talking about hours and coming back at like two in the morning. Of course, I've done that. I've done my fair share of clubs and bars. Um, but I realized that corporate events are also nice to go into. And a lot of them don't. They underestimate the power of music and having a DJ there. So that's kind of how I got into um, events. Uh, I do social also, but really it's my upbringing. The fact that I volunteer with certain organizations really has allowed me to become uh, a strong presence within the events industry. Gotcha. And so you start. So how long have you been in business then? So we are entering into our sixteenth year. It's going to be seventeen years, starting in late April, I think. Late April. Okay, yes. so you got started right around two thousand two, two thousand four, two thousand five. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's about when I started my my first recording studio. So that's, okay. that's interesting. Yeah. So I got out of the Air Force in 2005 and started BuzzBiz Studios, which was okay. a recording studio. Uh, now, of course, <laughs> I I learned uh, early on that surviving off of starving musicians was a bad business plan. Um, you learned uh, the sounds early on that corporate events pays a lot better and probably a lot less stress than some of the yes. private uh, events like birthday parties and <laughs> graduation wedding, wedding, and weddings, weddings. Like I didn't want to say it, but yes, yes. weddings. Um, <laughs> I, in a prior life, I actually owned a, my, my first business was a photography uh, business. Oh. It was outdoor portrait photography though. And I mm. told myself, I will never do weddings. I was like, yeah. I've heard so yeah. many horror stories it's about good. weddings. <laughs> not, not that I can't DJ a wedding and make it happen and do a tremendous job. It's just I tend to sway towards the corporate events. Oh, yeah. A little no, bit. There's, there's, that's a different, I mean, there, it is a different art than a corporate event. I mean, and, I, and I've done a lot of big events. Um, I was a minority owner of an indoor football team for a while. And that is a big, big event, right? Well, the DJ yeah. for that is much different than when we had a sound guy for our company retreat. Like, it was completely right. different. And so, like, I think people underestimate the difference in you know, handling the music and just the auditory cues of an event, mm. you know, and a DJ yes. is kind of that captain, you know, that steers the ship a little bit when it comes to the mood of the room and all the other things that go along with that. So I think that's really cool. So how long did it take for you to start taking on uh, employees to help you expand your business? Um, so if I started, say, mid 2000s, mid to, yeah, two five oh five oh five oh six. I think for me, it took probably a good four or five years once okay. I got the volume up until I was needed to have additional people working. So we're working events the same day in the same time. So about nice. four to five years. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not yeah. fast, is it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I encourage people to don't rush. That's not a need. Like if you can do a lot um, on your own and maybe you contract out a few administrative things, that's okay too. There is no rush because once yeah. you go that route, it's, it's, it's hard to turn back. Right. So, t so share with the audience, what was the first task that you outsourced for your business? Do you remember? So I got a virtual, a virtual admin to help nice. me with like contracts, following up with clients, nice. a lot of the administrative things. And this is um, separate from someone who's doing like taxes. That's right. like a given every year. I think yeah, taxes yeah, yeah. is different. But then like just a virtual admin is probably the first thing that I outsourced. Mm -hmm. And now I have with like marketing, someone to help with like newsletters. I have different people doing different tasks for me now, but the virtual admin was the first one. And how many DJs do you have now? So now I rotate probably about three or four. Okay. Um, and we kind of are focusing more on higher quality events and less in the quantity. So that would be the max I would use. Sometimes I have two DJs working with me on one event because they're so large. Uh -huh. So I'd say at the max, it would probably be three or four. Gotcha. Yeah. That's amazing, though. And this is all in the D.C. area, right? Or yeah, you're so saying around the world. Yeah, because I'm based in Los Angeles. Okay. But for example, I've, I'm doing events um, Salt Lake City. I'm doing uh, Cancun, Mexico. We had something in D.C. earlier in the year. Of course, local L.A., Palm Springs. So all over the world, it just depends. Um, right. The schedule what, what, time. what drove you to push outside of the Los Angeles area? Because, I mean, the Los really? Angeles has enough events, I'm sure, oh, yeah. to support yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of events, a lot of DJs, too. Right. Uh, but I think through through my networking, I got to meet, you know, pretty influential event planners that are hosting events in these different cities. And they will pay and they are really focused on finding the right person, whether mm -hmm. it being DJing or MCing for the job. And so they will I've learned. It took me a while. I, I heard about it. I didn't believe it. But now I believe it because I see it. Um, which it should have been reversed, mm -hmm. that uh, they'll pay they'll for the right people in the right place and the right time. They will pay for your travel, pay for you to be there. Mm -hmm. And that's encouraging because there is a group of people who appreciate quality and mm -hmm. like to work with you. So that's really what I've experienced, particularly in like the last two to three years coming out of pandemic. Ah, very good. Yeah, there's been a huge explosion. So like you said, there are a lot of DJs. I probably, you probably <laughs> throw... Uh, you look, you know, throw a uh, arrow in any direction and hit a DJ pretty much anywhere, right? What? Right. And so, for you to have the allure for somebody to say, not only am I going to hire you out of everybody, but I'm going to ship you across the country, maybe even across the ocean, to DJ and or manage my event. What that that really means that there is a unique selling point usp that you have honed in on what is that that has allowed you to be able to probably charge premium rates and get invited to some pretty exclusive events i would say uh the unique selling proposition would be my experience in the hospitality industry so i understand working from the hotel perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a professor. So in terms of being able to, to reach different types of people um, and then my experience in the industry, whether it be working in the industry as a DJ, being on specific boards, like mm -hmm. that's helped. And then just a professionally trained DJ. I've been to DJ school twice, once for mixing and DJing and once for production. That's mm -hmm. very rare. Many people just kind of pick it up and are self-taught. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. 
but I've been through, you know, numerous uh, schools. And so that means, you know, education, continue to learn. I continue to take classes to this day. So you add all that up and that's a very unique package. Plus, you know, I have a nice ear. I can recognize songs. I know how to read a room. I've got experience. You can't underestimate experience. Like I've rocked a party of as small as three or four people, as big as, you know, 10,000. So I understand how to read a room yeah. that, that this is all experience that it can't be taken for granted. And, uh-huh. and, you know, it helps, it helps. So that's kind of what makes me and my company very unique. Gotcha. And so how, how did you leverage that? I mean, you have a marketing firm and stuff like that, but when we talk about these things, I, I love the fact that you said so many of the, the, the things that a lot of people would not think a DJ would do, but many service-based businesses would. Associations, mm-hmm. uh, being on boards, uh, volunteer work, your school, that's great. Uh, teaching, like I, I've taught at uh, the Small Business Development Center for two different states over the last, like, shoot now, I guess almost 10 years now. Uh, done right. stuff for SBA. Like, and chamber of commerce uh, events and stuff like that. So all of these things are giving you exposure as you're giving back to the community, basically, and growing that out. Do you find that it, it ever stops paying to do those things, even now that you are beyond just yourself as a DJ? Never. I think you should always um, be active in the community, always be teaching, volunteering, because, you know, you meet someone 10 years in the past, they might remember you five or six, seven years later, they'll hire you. But you always need to meet new people. It's like you're always replenishing the funnel, the sales funnel. But it's not really sales. It's just getting to know people. You always need to know people because jobs change, people you know, they get married, they have parties, they go on to bigger and better things. So as we're growing as a company, mm-hmm. people that I've met years ago are growing into bigger jobs with different companies and they remember who they like to work with and they remember who they've met, who you've developed a relationship with mm-hmm. and people like to work with people they like. And so it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if, you know, you're based in Seattle, I'm in LA or I'm in Miami, they will call you if they have the right budget or they just call you to ask your opinion And it's important. I think it's all about like relationships. Like if you can talk to someone and they work for ABC company and then they go off and work for another company, they're going to remember you. And -hmm. if you can create and maintain a strong relationship, authentic, um, that's going to be a win for all, all people involved for years to come. I think that you're hitting the nail on the head when you talk about like your network is your net worth. And, and, and understand that I um, actually just had a client call me up that, I did some little bit of work with them, oh man, just over 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago. And um, they changed, like you said, they changed to corporations. And now he's the director. (laughs) And it's like, oh, and now I need all of this branding and marketing and all this stuff for my new corporation. And he remembered what we, we helped him with when he was in a smaller company. And, uh, and so, and that, that sticks with people. And I think that it's important that people realize that. Um, And so where do you see your, I mean, you've been 17 years, you said, just about 17 years in business, 16, 17 years. Okay. At some point being, um, I've actually had a friend who exited his DJ and event company Mm -hmm. after, I think he ran his for about 15 years and he got it about the same, about 15, uh, or I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. he had about three, three to five three to five DJs, depending on the, the season. Like it was very season seasonal. So uh, low season mm-hmm. three, uh, the uh, busy season, he'd have five. And he did zero of the events at, towards mm-hmm. the end. 
And so that meant okay. he could actually sell it because he had, you know, he was working outside of, he was working on his business altogether. Right. Um, not, in his but he, but he built out, but he was doing like big, he would do more like the, the, the promotional stuff. So he'd do like the two or 3000, uh, part uh, person parties for like Halloween and stuff like that. Right. So he was able to exit that, uh, relatively young age. Um, I want to say in his mid to late forties, right. You've been doing this for 16 years at some point. Do you think you will exit or do you think you'll just shut it down? Uh, uh, that's an interesting question. I would say, you know, I always, I love DJing. So I'll always yeah. try to continue to DJ events here and there. I probably would do less events in terms of quantity and higher quality. I also do more like um, teaching, uh -huh. whether it be teaching DJs at DJ Academy or like um, just business owners, entrepreneurs. I love that sharing my experience, more professional speaking. So I, I will always want to DJ just to keep my finger on the pulse. Sure. And probably do less of it. You know, like I did a lot of live streaming during the uh, pandemic on platforms like Twitch and YouTube. I do less of that now. Mm -hmm. um, I also host shows. So probably just branching off to different avenues, going to write another book, but I'll always keep my finger in DJ, you know, at least once a week and a couple events a quarter, maybe as long as it, because I love it. As long as I still love it, I'll do it. I don't know if I would exit or do something different right now. I've got a pretty good setup and it works well. Sure. So I haven't really that far yet. So I think, yeah. I think I would keep it for a while. Maybe it'd become a legacy company. I don't know, but that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Okay, cool, cool. No, that's good. It's always interesting because it's it's one of the things that some people start their business with the end in mind and other people right. just get in business and it's just their thing, right? Yeah. And yeah. um and they grow it to whatever it's going to grow to. And that's great. There's no wrong answer to any of that. Um but I like to hear the the answer to that question because I I think it's it's good for the the listeners to know that hey, you don't have to have it figured out to be successful. Yeah. Oh. So tell me a little bit yeah. about your book. You, you mentioned your book just a second ago, The DJ's yes. Mean Business. What is that book about? So this book takes you through the time slots of a DJ set, whether it be every 15 minute increments and relates it to growing a business or growing your career. For okay. example, you, you first start off the DJ set, it's say 10 p.m. to 10.15. You just get into the club or the bar. You want to keep people that are already there, there. So you're kind of trying to build rapport with whoever's there. Same mm -hmm. thing in business. You really want to try to build rapport, identify who your ideal client could be and mm -hmm. get to know them. Then we fast forward through the night. I like the 11 p.m. to like 11, 15 p.m. chapter, which is on troubleshooting. Something always goes wrong in business and you have to make some adjustments and shift. I hate the word pivot, but pivot along the way. Mm -hmm. Same thing in uh, the DJ booth. It could be a dirty needle. It could be tech issues. Speaker goes out, computers crashing, but the music can never stop. Same right. thing in business. Maybe it's the product that you were planning on selling that is, is not popular. Something else that you didn't expect becomes really popular. How do you shift to focus on that? And you get the prime time, which is midnight, 12 a.m. to 12, 15 a.m. Just keep the dance floor packed. Hit mm -hmm. after hit, cycle through every once. So they go to the bar and business. How are you growing sales? You know, month over month, year over year, week over week. Um, I get to a chapter on nostalgia, which is like 1.30 a.m. to 1.45. What can you do to can maybe recreate your business or use things you've done in the past to bring them to the present? There's some brands that do that really well, like Old Spice, Adidas, Nintendo, some of my favorite brands that use nostalgia very effectively. I love to play slow jams at the end of the night. That sparks up people's memories when they were younger, had less stress, less worries. It's very effective. 
Um, and then the set's done. There's a chapter on feedback. When I was a DJ and really DJing a lot, like weekly and many clubs a week, I also drove for Uber. So I close up, I'd leave the club, turn on my little Uber meter. Many times I pick up people who were in the same club as I was and I take them home and I say, Oh, what do you think of the music? How did it go? What would you change? And then at the end I would share, by the way, I was a DJ. So thanks for the feedback, mm-hmm. but feedback is in that. business too. What are you doing well? What you need to improve sure. on? That gives you a quick summary of the book. I skipped a few chapters, but that gives you a pretty good. 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 Yes. And you get, and you can get that on Amazon. Um, yes. Barnes and Noble.com and stuff like that. Good. Good. We'll make sure that we have a link in the, uh, show notes. So we'll make sure that that's okay. in there. So before we go, out of all the things you've done in business now, and you've had the ups and downs and the whole nine yards, what is the one thing that you wish you could tell your your former self, say 10 years ago, Okay, that would might have changed the trajectory of your business today? Hmm. Let me think here. I would say 10 years ago, so we'll go back to 2013. Mm-hmm. You're I would established business. You've got a couple right. people under you now. You're starting mm-hmm. to get some momentum. You're growing, right? Yeah. What's yeah. that one piece of advice you wish you would could have got then that you know now? Uh, like think bigger. Think bigger. However, whatever perspective you have on where your business can go, you can actually probably do more than you even realize right now. Think bigger, whether it be financially, geographically, the type of business you have. Like, do not be limited by what you think is possible, what you see as possible yet, because you can do more. There's more out there. And just think bigger. And and it, it won't be as difficult as it seems to accomplish it. You heard Amani. Stop thinking small. Look past what you think is possible. And if you think you are already playing big ball, I challenge you to think bigger. I know I have struggled with this very thing for many years. And every time I think I'm finally thinking big enough, I'm shown a new horizon that pushes me to spread my wings even further. If this interview has inspired you to take your business to the next level, but you don't know where to start, I'm here to help. Just email me directly at yapb at buzzworthy.com. It would be my honor to get you pointed in the right direction and help you achieve your fullest potential. And for the rest of you, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the show. We really appreciate your support. So until next time, stay buzzworthy.